Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Woo! Thank you, worship team. Your guns. Like your Mr. Drummer, man. His name's Andrew, by the way. It's a strong name, bro. Strong name. Thank you. You all can grab a seat. Man, is there any instrument you can't play, Brody? Kazoo? No, I can't play the kazoo. No one should play the kazoo. Oh. Well, I won't do that then to disappoint you. Hey, church, it's, it is always such an honour and a privilege to be able to, to share from, from this pulpit, really, because it's, this is my home, this church. Been here for a long time, decades even, like 18 years. So I've known some of you for a long time. And just to be able to share, I don't know, this church with... Like the Lalevas, O'Callaghan's, Hubert's, Cadena's, Marriott's, the Hills, the Crofts. Oh, the Crofts, the mighty Crofts, the Quigleys. Oh, it's just like, who am I to be able to share here? But thank God for releasing pastors, Pastor Steve and Deb. Love them so much. And they're not here this morning. They're actually, they're on holiday, aren't they? Yeah, thank goodness they're on holidays. I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with what our senior pastors get up to during the the week, but not only do they pastor this church, but they actually oversee like 15 other churches personally. And then in our C3 movement, which is 500 churches that go across the globe, but in Australia alone, there's like 120 odd, that they are the um, emotional health or like church caring pastors. So if a church has gone through turmoil, they send in Stephen Deb to try and help people out, support leaders, support that church. So when they're actually not here, they are, they are busy and doing some hard stuff. So please keep them in your prayers. But I know for a fact that they're on holidays in January with family. Thank goodness. It's always good to relax with the family up at Kingscliff. Ooh. Alrighty. Alrighty. This month, this is our theme, Rest. Rest and refresh, and we're talking about the Sabbath, the Sabbath, what it truly means to restore my soul, and I guess the, my goal this morning is just to encourage us to, to utilize the Sabbath as best that we can, as biblically as we can, and what does it actually mean to rest? So before I do that, I want to quickly pray. Father God, right here, right now. Lord, whatever you want said, let it be said. And whatever you want done, let it be done. God, we, want to, we just don't want another Sunday service. We want, we want a transformational experience right here, right now. Let this be a memorable Sunday that we leave differently to how we came in. We leave with more of you, more understanding, more wisdom, more of your spirit on the inside of us. Yes, Lord, let every mind and heart in this place, especially mine, be willing to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' mighty, glorious name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks, mate. Champion. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. So this passage of scripture is where Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And we read at verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day for keep, by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household 
may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the Sabbath day, what it means by on the seventh day God rested, in Genesis chapter 1 and a bit of chapter 2, is the articulation of how God made the whole world. And whether you believe that happened in six actual days, 24-hour time spans, or six ages, or six lengths of time, I'm not really here to, to, to talk about that today, but the seventh whatever, the seventh day, the seventh age, the seventh massive length of time, is a period where God rested. The seventh whatever, he rested and declared that as holy. Which begs the question, why did God rest? Like, was he tired? In Psalm 46 verse 1, we read, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble, but except on Sundays, because he's resting. It's not what it says. It says he's always ready. Our God is always ready to help, always got strength. If he didn't, he wouldn't be God. 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Do you know there's like roughly 7 billion people on this earth? And because of the work that Christ did on that cross, every human being can claim that scripture as a promise from heaven. Now, if 7 billion people had the capacity to claim that scripture, could a weak God work through 7 billion people? No. Only a strong God can do that. Because, like, I don't know, I'm pretty weak. And I think there's a, across this world, there's a whole lot of people going through some really tough stuff that need a lot of strength and a lot of prayer. And God is able to do exceedingly above all that we could ask or think. Rest. He rested. And this is before sin came into the world as well. This is before pain. This is before tiredness really came into the the world. Because that comes in chapter 3 and we're into chapter 1 of Genesis. And what does God do when he rests? Like if you're God, what do you do? Like do you just go to the swings? I don't know. What I know is this, that you do enjoy how you rest, don't you? Because if you didn't enjoy it, it wouldn't be rest. And it's quite individualized, it's individualistic rest, because what brings me rest might drive you nuts. And then what you find as rest, or what you do as rest, might just frustrate the heck out of me. So, like, who runs for fun here? Any runners for fun? A few people. See, like, I only run if I'm getting chased. <laughs> like... How is that resting? Or tanning. Do we have people who tan in the summer? Go a bit brown. Like, I don't understand lying in the sun and just getting, like, burnt. How that's enjoyable. But for some people, that, that's what brings you rest. And good for you, because it's very individualistic. And you can't copy people with rest. I used to do this when I was younger. I'd look up to youth pastors and leaders across the C3 movement. And then whatever they called fun, I'd be like, yeah, I find that fun too. But in reality... What they did isn't always fun. Well, it's not fun for me. Like going out for coffees. Coffee. I'm sorry, Rundle, but coffee tastes terrible. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's supposed to wake you up. Like, who said coffee was cool? Who said that? 
because it's not. Go for a hot chocolate any day or a smoothie. Coffee is just like bitter and hot. Ugh. But now they've made cold coffee. Ugh, stuff that. <laughs> or eating Avon toast. Man, put jam on that thing. How is that relaxing? Eating vegetables in the morning. But if that's you, awesome. If that brings you rest, doesn't bring me rest. I'm trying to learn how to knit at the, at the youth centre. No, legit. At the, at the youth centre, we have this program called You Focus, which is any young people uh, after school, if they want to come and do some homework or need help doing resumes and all that sort of thing, can come to the youth centre. And we have an instructor there who knows how to knit. And her and I were talking and they teach me how to knit. I want it to be refreshing and relaxing, but my fingers just can't work really well. And it's frustrating. I just want to be able to knit a jumper by, I don't know, the year 2020. I do want to learn how to knit. When I was younger, we went on a family holiday, this is about 10 years ago, to New Zealand. Has anyone been to New Zealand before? Like everyone, wow, it's a popular holiday destination. So we went there, went to this place called Rotorua, and doing some family activities, seeing like the cheese factory. <laughs> my dad wanted to see the cheese factory. Um, and my mum wanted to go skydiving. So we ended, up, we ended up going skydiving, which is so much fun. We're getting ready to go skydiving. My dad's like not as keen. And he's like, no, you guys go skydiving. I'm going to stay home. So me, my mum and my two sisters went skydiving. We go to the skydiving place. And on the, like, the day before, I'm like confident as... Like, so excited to be jumping out of a plane. Who came up with that idea anyway? Like, yeah, let's jump out of a plane. Let's pay, like, people can pay us to jump out with us. It's a great idea. Anyway, we bought into that. Jumping out of a plane. A little bit nervous. I didn't know how high you could jump out of a plane from. So we get there to the reception. The reception person says, you can jump from three different heights. 9,000 feet, 12,000 feet, or 16,000 feet. I was freaking out, so in my head I'm going, yeah, 9,000, as close to the ground as you possibly can. What does mum say, the crazy lady she is? 16,000, we'll jump from 16,000 feet. What the? My mum is interesting, people. You might know her, Sarah Hill, C3 Cares, looks after that. Does great stuff for the church. Anyway, so we're in this plane, we're about to get into the plane. I'm really freaking out now because it's double the height that I'm used, that I'm not used to, would <laughs> think to jump from. And then before we get into the plane, the pilot says, look, so there's no, there's no, chairs in this plane so I can't legally land this plane with you in it so you're going to have to jump I'm like oh great get in the plane fly up we're getting pretty high I'm thinking okay surely this is the height right like this is 16,000 feet easy over the loudspeaker the person says all right we've just reached 2,000 feet <laughs> 2,000 feet like 14,000 more to go get to that height, I'm just beyond hysterical now, like, just, like I've just gone limp, like whatever, tied to someone I don't even know, jumping out of a plane that I didn't even build. And then I'm halfway out this plane and then he just goes, okay, on three, one, two, and then we just like fall out. Then this moment of bliss, I can't describe it. I wasn't afraid anymore. It's just like, when you're that high up, it's like, oh, if I'm gonna die, it's, I'm gonna die. And just being able to see the landscape and, like, you're literally falling through clouds. It was so cool and I felt so relaxed. And I landed that and, like, this was the best experience of my life thus far. And then I look up and my sister's parachuting and old mate who's, like, tandeming with her is wearing thongs. As he's, and he lands and he's like, I did it with my thongs on! Like, these guys were mental. 
Anyway, get home, telling dad, we had the best day ever. I'm so, like this, I'm so happy. Ah! And my dad's like, yeah, that's cool. Awesome. And it wasn't until I was preparing this message about rest that what brought me rest was doing a family activity, jumping out of a plane, which was, at the end of the day, relaxing. But for my dad, what brought him rest was just quietly reading a book. Just reading a book. What do you like to do when you rest? Do you know yourself? You've actually got to know yourself a bit to know what you like and what you don't like because you don't want to copy someone else. What do you like to do? And resting, essentially, it's whatever, whatever you delight in or what replenishes you. So on the Sabbath, we're called to do things that we delight in, that replenish our soul. Back to my earlier question, what did God do when he was resting? We can actually read what he did because chapter 1 ends with, you know, on the seventh, whatever, the seventh day, God rested. And the next passage of scripture that we read is God's engagement with man, hanging out with us, saying, Adam, name all the animals, go nuts. Adam, you look lonely, let's make you a woe man, a friend. Human 2.0, that's way better, way smarter, way more organized. God's engagement with man. He actually delights in us so much, more than I can understand, because I get sick of me. But God never gets sick of me. In Zephaniah 3.17, it, it speaks about him writing over us joyful songs. Like God writes a song about you and me. That he, he knows silly details, like the numbers of hairs on our head. I don't even know that. Even people I care about, I don't even know. Well, maybe, you know, Ben Aiken, because he doesn't have many. <laughs> but he's interested with us. He delights in us. So what do you do on your Sabbath? And I don't mean to ask that to like convict you or make you feel terrible, like because God wants to hang out with you and you're not hanging out with God in your time of rest. That's not what I'm asking. Like, What, what do you like to do when you rest? Because the, the next level up from us resting, whether it's archery or hunting or lighting campfires, going for bike rides, motorbike rides, whatever, the next level up from that is inviting God into what we're resting in, inviting him in. And that doesn't mean like the whole time that you're resting on a Sunday, it's like, okay, how can I invite God into this? It's like, just, you know, just be cool. Like when your mind wanders when you're doing the thing that you enjoy, just before you start, go, Lord, let me wander, let my mind wander with you in this. So if, if cooking is your thing like baking, this is how I picture it. So rather than thinking about this, that, and the other, like as you're making it, go, okay, Lord, help me, to, help me to contemplate you while I'm doing this. And that as I'm making this thing, like what does it feel like in a very small micro way to make the universe, to be in control of everything? And then when a piece breaks off, and then thinking, well, from the cake's perspective, they're like, how is that ever going to come back together? But then you as the creator can like, form it and morph it back together and all I can make all things work together for good and just like my cake might crumble like my, my life might crumble God's like nah I can make it work I'm the only entity in the entire universe that could possibly bring good from this tragic situation from this heartbreak or even running I'm not a runner so I'll just run on the spot like 
So as you're running, because your mind thinks about random things like the kitchen or doing, building a table or something. And then as you're running, just go, okay, Lord, I want to focus on you. And like, you know that I'm called to run my race. I'm not called to run against them or them. They all have different gifts to me. But I've been put on this earth for such a time as this, to run my own race. And I've got gifts and talents that no one else has. And I think a certain way that other people don't think straight away. And God's going to use me to do great and mighty things. My life is going to make an impact. Like meditate. Like bring God into your rest. And like, yeah, so what gives you rest? There's a plethora of options. If you don't know, cool. Today, just write down things that you like to do. Look at fires. Go, to, go skydiving. Maybe it's hanging out with a family. Maybe it's actually just sleeping. And that's the awesome one because as you go for your nap, just, Lord, fill my dreams right now. That's, that's the best. I used to think resting, well, I used to find watching TV brought me rest. But now half the shows that come out, I'm like, I could make that so much better. And it frustrates me because I'm like, that story ends terribly. I'd make it end like this. Or like this show, just it, why, why is it on air? Who finds it entertaining? Ugh. And it just, yeah, frustrates me. Unless I'm watching Parks and Recreation, I really like that TV show. But now, just like my dad did when I was younger and I got frustrated with him, I actually like, like to read now. Read books or look at sceneries. Do we have anyone who likes to look at scenery here? A few people. We could do it together. We can rest together. I also like motorbikes, like riding motorbikes. There's just this feeling like when you're going 100 on the parkway, right? 100 on the parkway. Keep into the speed limit. And you're riding. And just this thought like, not, not like a I want to end my life type of thought, but if I just lean a little bit like this, it's game over. Just like that, if you're not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much room type, <laughs> type vibe. And just the wind in your hand, just being able to smell the surrounding kangaroo carcasses and <laughs> leaving just the scenery. I love when you're on a bike and you can smell rain. And it's like, oh, it's, it's good. That's really good. Yeah, and long drives as well. I love just chucking on worship music, like the new Hillsong United album. It's good stuff, man. Just going for drives and listening to just worship and then letting your mind wander with God in worship. Whatever we rest in on Sundays on our Sabbath, let's learn to invite God into it and share that experience. And I don't mean to be this ignorant fella like, cool, Andrew, you don't have kids, so it's great for you to just go out for a ride or go and light a fire. Like, I have to worry about my kid jumping into the fire. Or, <laughs> But with, with families, like, like that, that's the challenge like, of being creative. And I know like, you already do that like constantly. But just it takes, if we're going to rest with our families, it takes planning. Okay, on Sundays, we just go to the park because it means the kids can go on the play equipment and I can go on the bench. <laughs> Separate ourselves. Or I'm going to leave them at like grandma and pop's house and I'm going to have a good time because like grandparents love hanging out with kids, don't they? Don't they? Oh, no one here does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or even if your kids are really young and this, this might sound a bit corny, but, like, parents dream over you. You dream over your kids, don't you? Like, you, you want to believe the best for them. So if they're too small to do anything, just set aside, okay, for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to rest and dream about your future, that you're in God's hands, that you're going to change the world, that you're a world changer and a culture setter, 
that you're going to leave a mark on this earth, that I'm going to believe your best, and that you're going to make me laugh, and you're going to put me in a great nursing home, and you're going to be rich. (laughs) (laughs) Or like even like work is tight, especially this time of year, like January, we've just come out of Christmas, and then, you know, if you have mortgages and then land tax and then bills, it all, it all adds up. It might be in this place of, I actually can't rest. I've, I've got to work. Because if I don't work, the bills don't get paid. And, like, you know, then we're, we're stuffed. That's when, and I don't mean to be that preacher guy's like, do this. But it's almost, we've got to shift gear to trust. That our God has commanded us in one of the Ten Commandments to rest. And so if life is getting too hectic, it's like, okay, God, I trust you. Your, Lord, your word has told me that I need to rest. So God, be my provider while I rest and fulfill and like just live out your word, live my life according to your word. And you'll find if you speak that with faith, if you believe God, that things will start to change in your world, that opportunities, like coincidences, like Louis was sharing in the, in the tithe message today, coincidences will just start to happen. People will just give you things. Or, like, perhaps doors of opportunity will open to you. But, like, believe God. Like, he actually loves you. And just, like, with your kids, you don't want them to be screwed up. He doesn't want you to be, like, left for dead. He doesn't want the worst for you. He actually wants the best for you. That's why he sent his son. We're human beings. Oh, actually, yeah, we are human beings. We are? Not human doings. Human beings, just being. Like, we're essentially just dust housing the breath of God. Job chapter 34, 15, 16 reads, If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life on earth would cease and humanity would return again to dust. I ponder that scripture a lot. Just like the, the fragileness of us. Like there, there is strength to us, but there's also like not like, I get taken out by just some thoughts, like, oh, I got so angry and so hurt. It's like, it's just a thought, man. It's not even like a two-by-four hit me in the head. It's just a thought. We can't live non-stop. We're actually not designed that way. We were designed just to be with God, right, right back at the beginning. Adam, cool, take dominion over the world, but you've got an eternity to do that, an eternity to name all the animals. Just be with me. That's what we are designed for. Next minute, sin comes into the world, time pressures, and we feel like we need to like work, 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 and then die. I've, I've, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I like watching entrepreneurs' like video blogs and stuff. And a lot of the times, like, if you're not working until 2 in the morning to chase your dream, you're not working hard enough. Like, far out. It's like 5% of the world think like you. The other 95% get tired. Jeez. <laughs> Like, um, what, what if we're actually not designed for that? What if purpose is not just, like, what we do in this life, it's actually just who we are and who we're with and our families? What if that's purpose? Rest on the Sabbath, it's so important. It is very important. But there is this void in our lives that no amount of rest and no amount of days off will actually fill And it's the void that Christ fills in our hearts. So you can be resting and taking your days off and things, but you could still be in turmoil in your soul. Matthew 28, 
No, sorry, Matthew 11, verse 28, reads this. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Whether whether you know it or not, like it or not, believe it or not, we all carry stuff. We all carry things. Carry pressures, family pressure, work pressure, expectations, haunting memories of things that I said or things that I did or wanted to do, disappointments, hurts, No answers to life's tough questions, fears, anxiety, depression. And it's not bad to to feel these things, because if you do, you're human. Welcome to the club. But when you know Jesus, you can choose to live a life that has these pressures, but yet our soul can rest through those times. Like, it can still be tough, but we can handle it because we share our life with Christ. Just like two oxen are yoked together, it's like I've got this yoke and then Christ is right next to me bearing the weight of it too. It's not just me trying to balance my life all like, oh, and then you're like this way because you're like, you overcompensate. But with Christ, he's right there with you. He's the stability. He's also the strength that can hold things and like just evens out the load. So as much as you can carry, he carries the rest and evens it out. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up for this last little, last little part. And with the common misunderstanding that I've, I've come to realise as I talk to people who don't know Christ yet, is there's this expectation that as soon as I meet Jesus, my life is sorted, that I get blessed, that good things happen to me, that it's going to be my best life. And there are elements of that which are true, but Christ never promises an easy life. In fact, he said, look, people who don't know me, they crucified me. The world hates me. And if it hates me, it'll hate you too. It's uh, John 3, not 16, a little bit after it. It's this passage, like, so John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And the passage of scripture goes down and says, and judgment will, will be based on this, that the light of the world came into the world, but the darkness, but people love the darkness more than the light. People love darkness more than the light. Christ doesn't promise to make it an easy life, but in Matthew 28, 20, Christ says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. Everyone say, be sure. Be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of the age. You can be sure of that, that no matter what you're walking through, that Christ is there with you. He doesn't promise to take you out of it straight away, but he promises to be there every step of the way. And his yoke promises rest. And today I feel like, as I said before, God wants to do a bit of business. Drop the yoke you're balancing on your own. And put on and put on his yoke and experience this rest 
for yourself. I'd like to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads across this place. And It's not because I want to steal your wallet and I don't want you to look. It's actually because I find when I close my eyes, what I'm thinking about in my heart gets brought forth to my thinking. And if you're here today, and the way I've been talking about God, it sparked something on the inside of you. And you're here and you're, you're thinking, Andrew, I'd, I'd like to meet Jesus here today. I want to receive the, the life that he paid for, for me, the freedom that he bought for me. Or if you're here, and maybe you were walking with God, but life has a tendency to distract us, throw some curveballs at our face and make us fall to the ground, unmet expectations of, I thought God would come through for me there, but he didn't. But today I want to make things right with God. I want to leave this place connected with him like I was in the past. Well, in a moment, I'll lead you in a prayer that can, that can help you do that. Or if you're here and the thought of dying just freaks you out because you're afraid you're going to hell. I used to have this fear. It's debilitating. Like I'd have night terrors thinking that the rapture happened and I'd be by myself. And you don't have to live in fear because why would Christ come and die and let you receive him and then say, mm, sorry, you didn't make the cut? Because it's not, not based on our works. It's based purely on, on what he did for us. It's a free gift, receiving Christ. So if you're here, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to shoot your hand up and I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. I just want to know if you're out there and then I'm going to lead us all in a prayer and if you do shoot your hand up, please come and speak to me or one of the team afterwards because we don't want you to leave here and not know what the next step is for you. Or like, what do I do now? I've just prayed. Yay! It's, we'll, we'll help you out. So if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, you'd like to make him the center of your life again, or you're just not sure if you're going to heaven, on three, be really brave, be really bold, and just shoot your hand up. So that's one, two, three. If you're in this place, thank you, mate. I see that. I see that hand. Is there anybody else here? If you feel like you have this, this dialogue happening on the inside of you, and go, should I put my hand up, should I not? Just do it. This is probably, no, this is the most safe place to get right with God. There's butterflies in your stomach, your conscience telling you, or like debating with you. If that's you, just be, be brave. I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I just want you to meet the God that I know. I'll give you 10 more seconds. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Awesome. All right, everyone can look back up at me. So there, there was someone that raised their hand, but if there was more of you out there, please come see me and the, the person after the service. And I just want to pray for you and let God like, do his thing. I wasn't planning on doing this, but like, God is here. I don't know if you can feel it. Maybe this is your first time here in church or you're familiar with the the God vibe. I feel like shivers down my spine when I feel the presence of God. Some people feel like warmth in their hands, a peace in their heart. But I feel like there might be some people carrying burdens here. Or the yoke is, you feel like it's not quite even with what you're carrying and what God's carrying. You feel like he's got the lighter end of the, the stick. Can we please all stand? And in, in this sacred moment right now, 
if you just want to make sure that the, the scale's even, perhaps you're holding on to some things that God's like, I actually want to carry that, but you keep holding on to it and shifting it to your side. Give it to me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you feel like you're, you feel like you're carrying a burden and that it's not light for you, I'd really like to pray for you. So I invite you just, just to come out from your seat and just stand on this altar. And really, it's not like, it's not Andrew. It's, it's, it's Jesus here who's going to meet you and do an exchange that you're going to leave this place feeling lighter. You're going to leave this place feeling less pressure. The circumstances won't so much have shifted, but in your heart and in your head, totally different. So in, while we're worshipping, if you want an exchange to take place, I just invite you to come out on this altar. If you have a partner, bring them too. And let God do his thing. Amen. Thanks, team. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.